This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman, Mobile Home Park Lawyer here again today with another episode. We've got a great guest again today. Our guest is a mobile home park owner-operator. He also is just a real estate investor. He's done single-family, apartment, self-storage. He does it from afar. He lives in Alaska, so we'll hear some more about that. But please help me in welcoming Patrick Hagens to our show. Patrick, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ferd. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Well, tell, tell us a little bit more about your story. I know you a little bit, but our guests may or may not. So tell us uh, your, a little bit about your background and how you got into MHP. Yeah. So I started in the uh, 90s as uh, just a helper with my dad. He drugged me around uh, whether I really wanted to or not, um, helping with anything, changing hot water heaters. I was the guy that did all the snow pushing and the, and the yard mowing. And anyway, he kind of got me going in it. Um, 1999, built a duplex right out of high school. And uh, so I always, always kind of had the bug. And just took a while, you know, I, I just kind of stumbled along in real estate and, and took me a bit to kind of figure out my way. Um, did some, did some apartments, uh, you know, back in 2012, the cap rate compression kind of constricted that a little bit to where I couldn't find any more deals. Um, did a storage facility, built, bought one, um, and just finally ended up at just frustrated with not being able to get a return and, and found mobile home parks. Um, Frank and Dave got that boot camp, and, and I started reading up with, with all of their uh, writings and went to that boot camp, and I was just blown away. Um, and yeah, just hard to beat, you know, no competition basically compared to everything else. You know, like my storage facility, somebody could build a storage facility right next to me and put me out of business if they really want to. Um, What's your address? What's yeah. your address? I'm, I'm looking for some storage. I do want to hear more about storage zone in particular because that's definitely, you know, people say it's a similar asset in, in some respects that it's lower operating expenses. You don't have the same, you don't have the toilets, you don't have as much management intensive. So can you give us a little bit of differences in the two? And I know you've got some storage that's also associated with your MHP and I've got a little bit of that right. too. And uh, I feel like it's, it's, it's like the ugly sepsis for me, but you like storage, right? I, I me, mean, I'm like, well, I got storage there. I'm not building storage, so maybe I should be, right? So um, what are the pros and cons of having them together versus separate? So I like storage, it's my second favorite. Um, it's concrete and steel, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. The expense ratio is low. Um, I, I do, I like it. I don't like the competition. I don't like the 39 year depreciation schedule. Um, and it is a little bit more management intensive. You got to have the right manager um, because it's a lot of in and out. The smaller the unit, the more in and out it is. The bigger the unit, the less in and out uh, of, of turnover, but you don't make as much per square foot. So, you know, cost, the cost per uh, square foot is, is, is higher. You know, the returns uh, lower. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I like it. I, I stumbled across a great deal, couldn't pass it up. Um, storage facility was half empty and I bought it and filled it and 
um, raised the rents to market and it's just a, it was a slam dunk, but uh, uh, competition and the depreciation is probably what, you know, the two downsides of it. Now, now the storage in your mobile home parks, did you, was that already like that? Or did you build that as, as a kind of an amenity for your residents or is it not even for your residents, it's for others in the community or, or some combination? I had, yeah, so I had the first park I bought, I uh, had a big green space in the front and I was to the point where I was gonna have to buy a shed or some some place to store some of my materials for you know rehabbing homes and the mower for the park and and I looked at it, I was like four thousand bucks for a garden shed you know that that is a maintenance nightmare after a few years I was like why don't we just throw up ten units eleven units and uh, I'll keep one for myself a um, lot less maintenance to keep up a steel building so I built one and um, rented them out to to the tenants in the park and I use a couple myself. Okay, got it. How do you, how does the, the um, rent compare to the other others in the community? Like, so I've got storage in my, now my, near my mobile home park and I feel like I have to be lower priced than everybody else yeah. down to stay occupied because of the stigma being you know next to the trailer park. Is that what your experience Definitely, is? yeah. I'm not getting a premium price uh, by any means. I actually lowered the price a little bit to get it filled up. It took a little while to fill up. Um, yeah, it's not a, it's definitely not a, you know, a, a huge moneymaker or like a, a great opportunity. I don't know if I'll build more. We are full now, but it's taken, it's taken a little while to get there. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely a discount, uh, on, on the prices for, for being in a mobile home park. Got it. Now, I want to hear more about your, your management strategy. Cause you told me, you told me previously you, you live in Alaska and I don't, yep. to my knowledge, they're, Maybe there's a few mobile home parks in Alaska. I don't know anybody that owns one up there, but you're, none of your parks are in Alaska, right? Your parks are in continental U.S. So clearly you're yep. not seeing those on a weekly, monthly, maybe even quarterly, annually basis. So what's your what's your management structure and, and what are you looking for also in, in future deals? Are you are you only buying stabilized because of being a farmer? Or are you buying value add? And how and how do you how do you vet your deals? I mean, I'm just really curious how that how that works from so far away. I, I get nervous going halfway across the country you're not you're over you're past canada you know so you're you're clearly doing it so i'm eager to know how right yeah no we're we're several thousand miles away from uh from our investments um yeah so just reviewing a lot of deals uh you know you can get familiar with with you know what the expense ratios are supposed to supposed to look like um bestplaces.net's a great place to to look at the town and, and, and the, the metro and see what's going on uh, economics wise, some test ads. Uh, but I, I was doing it from Wyoming. Um, I grew up in Iowa and then I was living in Wyoming. Um, so Iowa and Wyoming, I know I know better because I've, I've been there. So I, when I see something that comes up or I mail a letter and somebody calls, uh, I feel like I kind of know the area because I've driven it a little bit. So that helps get helps me get comfortable with it but I'll jump on an airplane and, and get down there and, and go look at it. Um, management wise, uh, we've got manager on-site managers at every park uh, and then the storage and, and the apartments, those are all uh, regional managers, I guess I'll call it. Uh, not all my managers live in the park. Uh, I find it's best if they do, but not all parks come with a, a good candidate that lives in the park. Um, for instance, you know, one of the deals we did in Iowa uh, was just a nightmare. Uh, they hadn't had a manager for over a year. It was an out-of-state owner. 
and there was had a lot of park owned homes and rentals and people had tenants had moved out uh, left the windows open the furnace on running all winter water was spraying everywhere wow. uh, we show up I take pictures send it to the owner and they're just like holy cow um, but yeah uh, we're, we're doing turnaround um, it's a it's a full-time full-time deal we're on the phone with the manager a lot and uh, it it's I mean it works you, you probably I probably spend a little bit more than I would if I was there but if on the set, you know, on the flip side of that, if I was there, I'd be trying to do some of the stuff myself and I wouldn't be at home in my office, uh, doing mailers and trying to get another one bought. So, Got it. um, it's, it's okay. I think to spend a little bit more, hire the contractors and just have it done right. Do it that way. So yeah, you say, when you say spending more, you mean hiring the, the professional laborers as opposed to handyman, Bob, well, or more than the yeah, and I do both there. One of my parks, I can't get anybody to do anything and I have to hire contractors. And then another park, um, there's just, there's a dozen people in the park that can do almost anything. Um, so, so I go back and forth on that one, but like, like I'll miss stuff, you know, like, uh, like the other day we had a, a water riser that was leaking. Uh, the manager thought that it was the whole riser was bad. So had to hurry up, get a plumber out of the big, bigger city, go over there. And it was just a fitting, you know, and, and stuff like that. Um, if I was there, you know, and I could look at it, I, I might've saved myself a little bit, but uh, yeah, you, you, there's, it's just a different style. And, and I prefer it. I don't want to be there. Like I don't want to buy anything in Alaska because I don't want to be tempted to go, to go work. I moved to Alaska to play uh, in the mountains and hunt and fish and um, don't want to be tempted with it. So it, it's a great barrier. To just that's, be that far that's, away. Like, that's a good way of looking at it. I, I hear you. It's like you, you, if you're close by and you know, you, you want to micromanage it more, like you're, you're the best at right. something. It's like, you know, I mean, even I, I don't mind working on spreadsheets and I've got a financial background, but, I, but I'm sitting here, I'm like, I don't need to be spending time on the spreadsheet. I got somebody else that can do that just as well as me and I can go work on something else. But it's like, you know, if it's there and I'm in the middle of it, it's like, I'm in the middle of it. And it's like, man, it's not as efficient. So um, right. definitely temptations. That's, that's well, I, I totally, I get it. So, uh, what other, what other strategies can you, can you share with us? Obviously you're, you got a unique management strategy from afar that you're, you're implementing. What other strategies do you use that you think our listeners will, you know, would have benefit from, or do you have even, you know, horror stories where, you know, Hey, this is, I, I messed up on this. Uh, don't do this, you know, that we can all benefit from. Right. Well, the one I touched on a little bit is that, that one park in Iowa bought, had, didn't have a manager. I'm, I missed the mark a little bit on my due diligence there. Um, one thing that I, I saw, I, I put a lot of, um, I guess I, I really look at that median home price and this had a higher median home price and it took me by surprise once I got the park bought. Um, I was so confident that that median home price was high enough. I think it was, I think it was 180, 160, 180. Uh, median home price. And what ended up happening in that market was there was a lot of really high-end homes. Uh, a lot of rich farmers had nice homes. And then there was kind of the, the, the more the norm. Uh, and that those high-end homes skewed that number. Uh, really, it should have been more like 100,000 median home price. Um, that took me by surprise. Uh, so it's taken a little bit longer to get that park turned around. It came with uh, like 12 park owned, actually 16 park owned homes, 12 of them were vacant. Um, and we're, 
we're getting it turned around. We've got a manager. We've got some better tenants in there. We've had to turn the tenant base over. But, uh, yeah, I, I bought that park for $187,000. Uh, wow. Yeah, and the, the, a lot. I paid more than that because I bought all the inventory. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, that was a, a big turnaround. Um, but, yeah, the, the, doing a test ad was big. I was so confident I didn't do a test ad. I was like, this is such a good deal. I'm going to buy it anyway. Um, but it might've helped me not be so surprised. And, uh, when I, when I got the park bought, so. No, that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good lesson learned. Cause yeah, the test ad is really something that I try to harp on all the time with people is just, you know, get it on Facebook, get it on Craigslist, get it in the newspaper. And if the, if the phone doesn't ring, that's, that's going to be a, that's a big telltale sign. This could have a problem here. And I'm looking at a park where we're closing on Monday and it's in, it's in Northwest Nebraska and small town and i was like is this thing gonna gonna sell houses and they've got got like 20 vacancies so we could bring in some new homes and there's some big operators in the market 200 unit parks bringing in new homes so i was like they, they're doing it we can do it right put the test ad out and what do you know people are calling them so it's like okay yep. it looks like it's gonna work now we haven't bought it we haven't closing soon but that i, I was not convinced and then we're test ad said hey, it actually was pretty good so right that's it's you know you'd be surprised sometimes and then I've had other parks, you know, in 200,000 metros near a, near a state capital, and it can't sell a new home. You got to go used homes like to, nobody wants to buy. And that's, and that's where I think the median home price and just the competition, you know, really comes into play. Where if, there, if there's B apartments for $700 a month, it's going to be hard to sell mobile, sell brand new mobile homes. But if the B apartments are $1,000 a month, I can sell a brand new mobile home for 800 including lot rent, all day. Right. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people looking for parks right now and there's a lot of parks and a lot of towns that I, I just, I'm not interested in uh, after buying a few and seeing, you know, what a, a, a mediocre market, uh, how tough it is to bring in homes and get people to afford them. There's a lot of markets there that uh, I don't envy some of these guys that are just scooping these things up by the, you know, just everything they can get operations wise um and trying to infill i mean i i cringe a little bit when i see some of these guys paying six caps for some of these really tougher markets yeah i feel like this the asset class is, be, is becoming so popular every day uh guys like me and you are probably part of the problem telling everybody how great it is but uh right. it's, it's really bringing a lot of people into the space and some of those folks are paying yeah, I, I think uh, I've seen pricing is just making it harder to find deals. How, how are you looking for deals now uh, to, to avoid you know, overpaying, but also, you know, keep them busy on the next one? Right. So we built um, built a spread or a, a database ourselves. I, I hired my, my now fiance to come on full time and be my assistant. And between her and I and a virtual assi uh, assistant over in the Philippines, we build our own database, uh, 26 states, and we mail, I've got a brochure here, we mail these brochures out, and to just every once in a while, we'll do a brochure whenever we're, we, get, we get, you know, a little bit of time, we'll send one out, and then I also do cold calling, um, and we're just, I'm just really picky, you know, it's just got to be a, a, the right deal, I don't get caught up in this, you know, um, this frothy market. I just, you know, deal like to deal directly with the, uh, with the owner. Um, now I've had to, you know, up my, what I'll pay for a park, of course, because the market has come up. 
Um, but yeah, I just get to calling and get to mailing and, you know, calls come in randomly, you know, from letters that I sent out years ago and um, took me a long time to get my first one. Um, started in 2015 and I didn't buy my first park until uh, July of 2018. So uh, really took a while. Um, but that, yeah, once I got the traction, it, it now it's, now it seems like it's, it's way easier. Uh, but okay, it, great. It took a while. <laughs> what kind of response rate you get on your, your postcards? Because those, I know it's, you know, historically that's like a 1% success rate, but you know, it only takes one deal, right? To make a deal. But that, um, is, are you doing right. better than, are you doing better than that? Or are you, you just send thousands upon thousands? Uh, we're, well, we're sending thousands of, of brochures out. It's, I believe we're right now at like three and a half percent, maybe 3% right in there. You know, as the time goes, you know, people will call and that percentage kind of comes up. But well, I, I mailed, I've got like what I call a hot call list and I mailed out to that. Uh, it's a smaller list and, and I got nothing, you know. Um, so over time, it, it's maybe up to three, three and a half percent. But, you know, initially it's, yeah, it's, it's 1%. And that, I'm seeing that come down, you know. Um, everybody's getting these letters. I mean, I've got, I've got two right here that uh, people mailed me. Um, and, you know, so, I mean, everybody's doing it. I think cold calling is definitely, you know, works better, but of course, you know, you can only call so much and nobody likes to sit and make one phone call after another and you get shut down. It's not that much fun, but uh, it's definitely a lot higher uh, success rate with, with cold calling now than it was. Uh, yeah, than doing these these brochures. No, that's great. Yeah, and I think that's what it takes is years and years of just doing it. And people, I've got I've got a client. They they actually do mostly uh, single family flips, but I don't even know their budget. Their budget's obscene marketing budget, and it works. That they just they'll send the same person a letter like once a month for five years or something, and eventually they get the call, and then they're just flipping a crazy number of houses because they're right. just, everybody knows who they are and they're on commercials and stuff and in the, in the business journal and they, they get some, they're getting some great free press now too. But yeah, it's just persistence in, that, in action. Yep. Persistence is the, is the biggest thing. I, that's the one thing that uh, you just can't beat it. I mean, if you just never give up, I mean, sooner or later you'll, you know, it'll happen. But if you give up, it's, it's over. You know, you're right. out. Hey, that's right, man. Well, what other, what other tips? What other tips for taxes? You got anything for us? I don't want to cut you off, but if you got more great stuff to share, let's let's hear it. Yeah, um, I'd say a really big one is that first right of refusal in the lease agreement keeps mm -hmm. uh, homes in the park. I've only lost one home, and it was right at transition. But man, there's it's that's a tough one. If you, I mean, bringing homes in is is expensive and time consuming. Uh, if you put that first right of refusal in there, that helps a ton. Um, and then the state associations, you know, you, I, I think you're in Iowa as well. Joe Kelly there in that, in the Iowa uh, association um, is good. And, and maybe, you know, uh, but I've, I've tried to reach out to the Iowa or to the Wyoming um, state association and I've got no response. I, I'm, so I'm not a member of that one. Hmm. Uh, if somebody knows uh, how to get a hold of them. That'd be, I'd like to get a hold of them, but the Iowa one is great. Yeah. It's definitely a state by state thing. I've joined, I don't know, a dozen or so of these associations. And, and sometimes, you know, you, you pick up the phone and the, the executive director answered it. I mean, like, there's no secretary, there's no receptionist, there's no computers. Like, 
like Illinois is really good. Frank Bowman, I know he, I called him probably five, six times and stuff. And he answers the phone. And it's like, just, that's great. And then he, and he knows what he's talking about. I called some states in the Southeast. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bat about them on here too much, but <laughs> I, I left six, seven voicemails. I get a call back from the secretary telling me, then I go to the vice president, then I go to the president. And I had one question on what other people in the state were doing on water sewer bill back. And what, because you know, the, the utility provider law was a little, ambiguous and i was like i don't feel like researching all the case law here this guy's got a certainly this guy's got cheat sheet. this has to come up all the time and he's like i'll have to outsource it to one of my staff members and they got like six or seven or eight staff members and they ended up hiring an outside lawyer to go look at this for them to answer my questions so i was like well that was good they gave me the information but it, i needed it like now and they and it took like two weeks i said i'd already had done work on it myself so it's just like whatever but it's, right. it's weird that some states they don't call you back some states there's almost no rules, you know, like some states don't even have uh, mobile home park specific laws. It's just like mm -hmm. basic landlord tenant, which is, you know, not the same as you know. So yeah, that's definitely a good tip to at least reach out to your association, see if they're one of the good ones. And then if they are join, they're not that expensive. And then no. you get, you get free content and they, when you watch, I'm on there, I get tired of all the emails, but they're watching the law for me. You know, hey, there's a new legislation coming. I can't watch the legislation in every state. Right. You know, but I can if I'm on the email list and I pay them whatever it is, like 50 bucks a year, 200 bucks a year to pay in the state. Right. Yeah, Joe Kelly's awesome with the Iowa one. I mean, he, I've reached out to him several times. Um, totally worth it. Uh, helped me out a ton. So if you're, if you're not a, if you're in Iowa and you're not a member, definitely should join. All right. Well, good stuff, Patrick. Where, where can people find you? How can they reach you and get hold of you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn a little bit. Um, message me on there, or uh, I, I do have a YouTube channel that I just started, uh, Patrick Hagan's MHP Investing. Um, and then you can email me, uh, patrick.mhpcommunities at gmail.com. Uh, send me an email or hit me up on LinkedIn. And yeah. Let's chat. All right. Sounds great. Thanks again, Patrick. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. Bye now. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.